0: Good morning. It is Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Happy to have you with us on this Tuesday morning. I think we've escaped the brunt of the storm that was talked about several days back, but kind of downgraded yesterday and uh, nothing here in the capital region thus far anyway. We are presented by Northeast. Delta Dental and our guest on this portion of Kale and Company is the former Comptroller of the United States and current member of the advisory board of Main Street Economics. And David Walker and Mr. Walker, welcome to the program. Great to have you with us. Good to
1: be with you, Ken. Where where are you checking in from this morning? Alexandria, Virginia, oh, beautiful. close to Washington, but outside the Beltway in the real world, as Reagan would say.
0: Oh, there there you go. Uh, there you go. Beautiful spot, Alexandria. I've been there uh, a number of times, as a matter of fact. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your, your background, David, and uh, your your time as Comptroller of the U.S.
1: Sure, Ken. Well, first, uh, I'm a CPA by training. I was a partner in the world's largest accounting and consulting firm. I've run uh, three federal agencies, two in the executive branch, one in the legislative branch, that being the Government Accountability Office, where I was Comptroller General of the United States, which in English is Auditor General and Chief Accountability Officer. I run two not-for-profits that uh, focus on federal, state, and local fiscal responsibility and sustainability. I've been a trustee of Social Security and Medicare, Chairman of the Audit Committee of the United Nations, Professor at the Naval Academy. And I'm currently on the Defense Business Board. So I've had a pretty diverse background, which covers everything the government does and how it does it. And, uh, but, but what we're focusing on today is how out of control the federal government's finances are. What do we need to do to put them back order if we, in, in order if we want to stay a superpower uh, in the future? Because it's at risk now.
0: Uh, you had quite a background before becoming uh, Comptroller General uh, of the United States, and uh, as I mentioned, uh, right now a member of uh, the Advisory Board of Main Street Economics. Tell us exactly what that uh, organization is all about.
1: Well, Main Street Economics was started by Les Rubin, who's an entrepreneur in Florida, who cares very deeply about uh, our deteriorating financial condition and the adverse implications for the future. He, like me and others, are grandparents and. We're not concerned about ourselves. We're not as much concerned about our kids, but we're concerned about our grandkids and future generations. And so Main Street Economics is engaging in a number of activities to try to help raise awareness and to engage the public uh, on the need to do something here, because the answers are in the first three words of the Constitution, we the people. We the people are responsible and accountable for what does or does not happen. The people are way ahead of the politicians and we need to get the people to pressure the politicians to act.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, as you mentioned, there is no secret to the fact that uh, this country is uh, in a debt crisis. Now, what does this debt crisis mean for the, for the average American citizen? How does it resonate uh, among uh, you know, the folks of this country?
1: Well, first, we don't face an immediate crises. But every major federal agency uh, and other leaders have said that we're on an unsustainable path that would, if not corrected, lead to a global depression. We know what depression, well, we don't, we, other than reading. But, you know, my, my, uh, my grandparents lived through the mm-hmm. depression, sure. so they know what it is, but they've passed on now. Uh, you know, the leading indicator on the way up for a country and the leading indicator on the way down is economic power. And if you can't put your finances in order, you will not maintain economic power. The result of that will be less growth, less opportunity, less influence in the world, less ability to fund the military, uh, and, you know, uh, again, ultimately, potentially, uh, an economic depression, which obviously everybody would suffer in that.
0: So how did we get to this point? How did the debt get as far out of control as, as it currently is?
1: Well, unlike 49 the 50 states that have constitutional requirements for fiscal responsibility, typically a balanced budget amendment potentially supplemented by limits on taxation and limits on spending, uh, the federal government doesn't. Uh, and in fact, what people hear about all the time, The so-called debt ceiling is not even in the Constitution. It's just a statutory provision. And so as a result, we we now have a lot of career politicians on both sides of the political aisle. They become addicted to spending, deficits, and debt. Uh, And, you know, as a result, uh, there's no constraint on current and future Congresses to put our finances in order. And that's one of the things that's got to change. I'm also involved in a group called the Federal Fiscal Sustainability Foundation, who are fighting for a constitutional amendment that will limit the growth of government and how much debt we can take on as a percentage of our economy, which is what really matters.
0: I know the uh, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, has made some uh, concerning comments uh, concerning the, the national debt. Uh, what level... Of concern should we have as as U.S. citizens? I I know you know you you mentioned that it's you know uh, not immediate that uh, we're, we're going to default, but uh, what what is uh, the current status? What level uh, of concern should we have?
1: Well, the Main Street Economics uh, recently conducted a poll that showed that seventy eight percent of voters are concerned about our mounting debt burdens and deteriorating financial condition. I'm familiar with other polls that have similar numbers. In addition, I'm one of the national co-founders of a group called No Labels. Uh, We recently polled, polled and found out that the number one issue on the mind of voters for the 2024 election is the economy and fiscal responsibility, followed closely by border security and immigration.
0: Now, uh, we're talking, by the way, with uh, David Walker. David is the uh, former Comptroller General of the United States, current member of the Advisory Board of Main Street uh, Economics. And should the U.S. default on its debt obligations? What what happens nationally as well as internationally?
1: Well, first, that's not going to happen. Uh, If it did, it would be a global depression. And the reason it's not going to happen is because there's only one thing guaranteed by the Constitution of the United States that remains, and that is U.S. Treasury securities. They're the only thing guaranteed. Social Security is not guaranteed. Medicare is not guaranteed. Civilian and military pensions, retiree health care, not guaranteed. So the bottom line is we can't default on U.S. debt. We can default on many other promises that have been made. But the real issue is, is that if investors in U.S. debt lose confidence in our ability to put our finances in order, then the appetite for buying our debt will decline, and it's already started. Uh, China has reduced their appetite, as an example. And that means we'll have to pay higher interest rates, which means that more and more of the budget will go for paying for nothing, namely interest, right. rather than things that can help us domestically or internationally. What, what
0: are some of these statistics regarding the debt crisis that uh, you feel every American should be aware of, or that most of us probably don't know?
1: Sure. Well, I think there are several key numbers. First is total debt as a percentage of the economy. Total debt includes the debt that we owe to Social Security and Medicare, which is guaranteed by the government in the 14th Amendment. You know, that is an all-time high, an all-time record of about 120% and growing faster than the economy. Another one is how much of the budget is on autopilot, meaning that we've written a blank check. It's about 73% and growing. Another one is what, how, how much is interest as a percentage of the budget, for which we get nothing. Uh, gross interest is already past the Defense Department uh, and, uh, and Medicare. Uh, people want to talk about net interest, but it's the gross. And then the other thing is, is that people focus on the $34 trillion in debt. That's the tip of the iceberg. When you end up adding unfunded civilian military pensions, retiree health care, unfunded Social Security and Medicare promises, the number is not $34 trillion. It's over $125 trillion and growing faster than the economy. So those are just a few of the numbers that normally people get it pretty quick.
0: Yeah, I, I guess so. When you talk about $125 trillion, I guess that gets people's attention, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that's about uh, close to $400,000 for, wow. that... for every man, woman, and child in the United States. Isn't it? Just the debt, the $34 is a little over $100,000 for every man, woman, and child in the United States. By the way, every man, woman, and child in the United States doesn't pay tax.
0: Right. A- absolutely. David Walker is our guest. He is the former Comptroller General of the United States, current member of the Advisory Board of Main Street Economics. And, uh, David, can you stay with us for a few minutes? Sure, I'll be happy to, Ken. That'd be great. We have to take a quick break here, and we shall continue. Kale and Company live right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental with individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and find your plan. At Delta Dental Covers Me.com. We'll be back right after these words, WKXL NH Welcome back. It is Kale and Company Live here on WKXL and HcockRadio.com. Presented by Northeast Delta Dental and uh, very pleased to have David Walker with us. David is the former Comptroller General of the United States, current member of the Advisory Board of uh, Main Street Economics, and uh, joining us today from beautiful Alexandria, Virginia. Are you getting any kind of weather in uh, Alexandria
1: right now? Just a lot of rain, Ken. We're going to miss the snow, and I actually like snow as long as it's a reasonable quantity to yeah, and navigate, no. <laughs> if you will. But, but uh, we haven't had much in recent years, although we did get you know about six inches uh, last month.
0: Yeah. So we're we're talking about uh, the the economy here today, obviously with the former comptroller general of the United States. What what can we as Americans uh, do? to help the the situation with the amount of debt that this uh, this country is in. Is there anything we can do
1: as citizens? Well, the most important thing you can do is to actively engage with your elected representatives uh, and make sure that they're focused on this issue and uh, push them on what are they going to do about it. We, We need two things. One, we need a statutory fiscal sustainability commission that will engage the American people with the facts, the truth, the tough choices, solicit input, uh, make a package of recommendations where everything's on the table for an up-or-down vote in Congress. There there are bills, bipartisan bills in both the House and the Senate, uh, to make that a reality. The House bill passed the House Budget Committee uh, within the last month. The Speaker is for it, uh, and this, this needs to be attached to the final appropriations bill for fiscal 2024. We need to quit just focusing... On year by year, and we need to start dealing with the structural cancer that we that we face. Yeah. The second thing is is that we need a constitutional amendment, uh, and and the states need to assert their rights. The truth is is that we had more than enough states, including New Hampshire, I might add, that had active applications for a convention of states to propose a fiscal responsibility amendment. Nineteen seventy nine, Congress never did anything. We've got a state out west who's willing to lead a litigation against the Congress that would go to the Supreme Court to assert the state's rights and right this wrong. We need other states to join, and New Hampshire ought to be one of them. Uh, And there's a bill in the House, HCR House Concurrent Resolution 24, that talks about all of this, that will help people understand more about it. So a commission and a constitutional amendment.
0: Is there uh, enough concern in the Congress uh, about the, the debt uh, that we're in? I mean, is that uh, a top priority for them, or uh, are they uh, concerned with with other things at this time? Perhaps uh, more than uh, creating some some opportunity for this uh, you know debt debt to be taken care of.
1: Well, the number one they're concerned about right now is keeping their job, yep. and either maintaining or attaining majority status in the House and the Senate. That's what they're focused on. You know, we have myopia, uh, tunnel vision, and self-interest. They've reached uh, epidemic proportions. Uh, But what's important is it's a top concern for the American people. Uh, And the Congress is supposed to work for the American people, not the other way around. Uh, And so that's why the people need to assert themselves and put pressure on Congress and make the price of doing nothing greater than the price of making some tough choices.
0: And I have a feeling there probably aren't too many people out there within our listening audience, anyway, that are pestering their their folks in Congress, their congressional delegation, uh, to do something about it. You, got, you have to have more people get on the bandwagon, right?
1: Well, that's right. And frankly, your governor could play a, a really important role. I mean, I, you know, New Hampshire has got its fiscal act together, okay. Uh, and, and I know your governor, Governor Sununu, is very concerned about this issue. Uh, and it would be great if he could end up speaking out more about this uh, and if he could end up encouraging his attorney general to join the litigation against the Congress to uh, right this wrong and assert the state's right.
0: So so how can uh, somebody listening to this program today uh, reach out and uh, encourage uh, those people in Congress and Governor Sununu uh, to become uh, more active in this regard.
1: Well, first you can go to the Main Street Economics website, which is MainStreetEconomics.org, uh, dot org, and or you can and you can go to the Federal Fiscal Sustainability Foundation website, which is Let Us at F O R and Let Us Vote for uh, dot org, uh, and you can find out more information about how you can reach out to your members of Congress and how you can find find out more information uh, about, uh, the, you know, the constitutional amendment effort, etc. Again, it's up to us. It's up to the people. We're responsible for what does or does not happen. And unfortunately today, Ken, we have a republic that is not representative of nor responsive to the general public. We have career politicians, too many, uh, and there's not a party of fiscal responsibility today. That's the cold truth.
0: And, and you said you were involved in uh, in the no no labels and uh, I am I, I think uh, most people uh, here in New Hampshire uh, listening to this program are are aware of, of what that is how is, how is that going
1: it's going well I mean we're on 15 state ballots we, uh, we we expect to be on at least 32 state ballots by the middle of March uh, we're gonna make a decision about whether or not and who Uh, The uni ticket would be uh, no later than the middle of March. Uh, And, you know, and uh, but again, there's got to be a pathway to victory in the Electoral College. As of today, there is. The pathway has actually gotten big better uh, Mm -hmm. over the last six months or so. The events that happened last week um, with regard to both Biden and Trump have have made it even bigger. Uh, And and so, you know, we'll see. But, um, you know, the American people are not happy. Uh, they don't think we're headed in the right direction. They don't think the future for their children and grandchildren is going to be as good as theirs. That's un American. It's unacceptable. And we need to do something about it.
0: So uh, you're on the, the ballot in 15 states at, at this point. Uh, right. And uh, a ticket will be announced by mid March. Is that, is that soon enough?
1: Yeah, it, it, well, you know, we, we, we want to be able to qualify for as many state ballots as possible before announcing a ticket, if we have a ticket. Again, that has not made decided yet, but we're positioned well to do it. And the reason being is because we don't want the campaign to have to incur the cost uh, on getting on state ballots for any more than necessary. There are a number of states that you can't get on the state ballot until you actually know who the presidential and vice presidential candidates are. So we're trying to get done all the ones that don't require that so that the campaign, which would be totally separate from no labels, the campaign would only have to do the ones where you have to have the names of the candidates.
0: I see. Okay, very good. So could uh, before we have to wrap it up, could you give us that, that website again for people who would like uh, more information?
1: Mainstreeteconomics.org and let us vote for FRA.org. And no labels is nolabels.org.
0: There you go. You, you covered it all right there, Mr. Walker. Uh, we We appreciate it, and uh, thank you for spending some time with us on this Tuesday morning and uh, and, and enjoy your day in, in Alexandria. we We appreciate you coming on the show today.
1: Thanks, Ken. Live free or die.
0: You got it. You got it. Take care. David Walker, former Comptroller General of the United States, current member of the Advisory Board of Main Street, Economics. Uh, joining us here today on Kale & Company, we're glad that uh, you could join us here on the program as well. And uh, don't forget, my good friend Slim is going to be around with the sports machine uh, today, just after 10 o'clock here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. And uh, he will have all the up-to-the-minute uh, you know, facts and figures when it comes to sports. And I can give you one right now. The longest Super Bowl, we just witnessed it on Sunday, the longest Super Bowl ever, went nearly, nearly four quarters. Well, it was also the most watched television program in TV history. Since there was TV, more people watched Super Bowl 58 than any other program that has been on television. Uh, it's estimated that uh, there were 123.4 million viewers. 123.4 million viewers uh, in this country of Super Bowl 58. Now, I did hear uh, last night when uh, this uh, this report came about that there was one event. There was one event on television that eclipsed that number, but it was not a show. It was not a show. It was not a scheduled program. And I'm going to leave you with that. Think about it. What do you think it was? What do you think drew more eyeballs, the only television um, event, let us say, that eclipsed Sunday Super Bowl in terms of viewership? Think about it. I'll give you the answer right after we take a quick break here. It's Kale and Company Live, WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental, and we will be right back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com. We're talking about 1450 on the AM dial, 1039 FM in the capital region, 1019 FM in Manchester and beyond, as they say. We are presented by Northeast Tel Dental, and I mentioned uh, before the break that Super Bowl 58 was the most watched. Schedule of, scheduled event in the history of television. 123.4 million people tuned in, and it was on various platforms CBS, of course, uh, Nickelodeon, Univision, and uh, streaming on Paramount Plus, as well as the NFL's digital platforms. The audience for Super Bowl 58 was so large, so large. That it approached the all-time most watched television broadcast. All right, you know what it was, Andrew? Do you have any idea, Andrew Gibson, our our producer in the other room? Do you know have any idea what that?
1: I was? I have a guess, but I'm guessing I might be wrong. Okay. Um, I want to say maybe the Mash finale. No, no,
0: but that was right up there, right up there. The most watched television broadcast ever was in 1969, July of 1969. An estimated 125 to 150 million viewers watched the Apollo 11 moon landing. Oh, that's right. Yeah, in 1969, I, probably before you were born. Andrew. Yes, yes, that, yeah. was, that was quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I remember it well. In fact. Here's the funny thing, and I've told this story before. I'm not sure I've I've told it here, but uh, I was in Chicago. I think it was July 20th, uh, 1969. I was with my parents. We were at a a doubleheader at Old Comiskey Park in Chicago between the Chicago White Sox and the then-expansion Kansas City Royals, and it was the first game of that uh, doubleheader at Comiskey Park. And uh, a White Sox player by the name of Walt No-Neck Williams was at the plate. Uh, and he built like a fireplug. Had no neck. He was like 5'8", 5'9", maybe uh, 210, 220 pounds. But at any rate, he hit a ground ball into the shortstop hole. The shortstop for Kansas City at the time. Uh, fielded it through to first. But Williams was safe. He beat it out. His momentum, because he was running hard, obviously, his momentum carried him like halfway up the right field line. So when he was coming back, you know, he turned around to return to first base after his infield single. The crowd at Comiskey Park got up as one in a standing ovation. And then he outstretched his arms with his palms up, thinking, you know, it was only an infield single. What's the standing ovation all about? Well, he didn't know, but they had a, a Soxogram, a message board, one of the first in Major League Baseball, maybe the first. And on that Soxogram, it said, man has just landed on the moon. And the applause, of course, was for that and not for the infield single beat out by Walt Nonek-Williams, but it was just, uh, you know, a, a funny uh, s- a circumstance, uh, and uh, he, he was walking back to first base with his uh, arms extended, palms up, saying, what is this ovation all about? I didn't do anything that was so great. It was just an infield hit, but it was all about man landing on the moon, and that was uh, in the early afternoon hours of a, of a Sunday, uh, in Chicago. And uh, we were out there on a, a family vacation at the ball game. And uh, I, I always hated and still do to leave sporting events early. But in this case, in this case, we made an exception. And uh, we left early in that second game of the doubleheader. So we could get back to the hotel we were staying and make sure, make sure that we didn't miss. Neil Armstrong's first steps on the moon back in 1969. So that will probably forever be uh, the most watched TV broadcast in history. But as far as regularly scheduled events uh, are concerned, Super Bowl 58 right now ranks as the most watched program in the history of television, and usually, if you go back and and look over the years since the Super Bowl uh, ha- has really become what it is now. I mean, in the early, in the infancy of the Super Bowl, uh, the first two, maybe even three, weren't as widely watched as they are now. In fact, I remember for the first couple, there were even empty seats in the stands uh, at at the Super Bowls, the early ones. But not anymore. And it's, uh, it's an event uh, that is really unmatched by anything, at least in professional sports in this country, and always draws a huge audience. And uh, certainly this year, uh, no matter what people want to tell you and what people believe, I think the, uh, the event was boosted by the presence of Taylor Swift. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I, I've, I've heard from a number of people and just watching on TV, different commentators with their experiences, uh, that, uh, that some, and don't mean to be sexist about this, but I'm sure that there are people of, of, of both sexes, but especially women that are now more into football because Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey, the Kansas City tight end. And I know Roger Goodell, the commissioner, is thrilled about it, thrilled about it, that more women are getting involved. But that's one factor. That's one factor. Not as large as another factor, and that is with each passing year, more money is being wagered on the Super Bowl. Why is that? Because there are so many legal ways that you can do it now i mean it used to be back in the infancy of the super bowl and you know up until oh, well, let's say even six seven years ago to place a legal wager on the super bowl i mean of course there was much illegal money wagered but to place a legal wager on the super bowl you had to go to to las vegas to do it you had to go to Las Vegas to place a legal wager on the Super Bowl or any other sporting event. Uh, that's why, you know, Vegas was uh, very popular among sports fans, still is, of course. Uh, but back in the day, and not, not that many days ago or years ago, it was the only place you could uh, wager legally. In this country, well, certainly not anymore. You can wager all you want in your uh, New Hampshire living room, or bedroom, or any other room uh, you can think of, and 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 that's so true in uh, many many states in this country. So it's the the, uh, the gambling pool is going to go up every year, and I would not be surprised. I don't care who uh, the teams are in the Super Bowl, uh, the the viewership is going to go up. And up and up. The more money wagered on the Super Bowl, the more eyeballs uh, it will have on it, and that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. I mean, the the NFL's popularity, you know, has uh, you know over the years been based on the amount of money that's been wagered on it. I mean, I think the only thing that they even competes in terms of uh, wagering in, in the world of sports is the NCAA uh, men's basketball tournament, March Madness. Uh, I mean, they're, they're right up there. Uh, I, and I'm not sure, uh, you know, which will win this year. Will the Super Bowl outwager the, uh, you know, March Madness when it, when it comes along in, in a month or so? We'll have to wait and see. But uh, regardless... You had a record a number of uh, dollars wagered on the Super Bowl this year. You had a record television viewership. And I'm sure the same is going to be true next month and into early April April when uh, March Madness is with us. There'll be more viewers than ever and more money wagered uh, than ever before. And the two go hand in hand. There's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, the, the longtime popularity... Uh, of the NFL is based uh, largely on, uh, on wagering, not just, uh, you know, in the uh, last few years, but uh, it has been uh, based on, uh, you know, people betting on it, whether it be legally or illegally. There was a lot of that, too, and there probably still is, but now more people have access to being able to wager on these events, and so as a result, more people will be watching on TV. And that's exactly what happened. Taylor Swift might have had a little to do with it, but not as much as the wagering aspect of it. We will take a break. Kale & Company continues right here. It's WKXL. 1450 AM, 1039 on the FM dial, 1019 FM, an unbelievable signal uh, in Manchester and beyond. And don't forget, wherever you travel, Nhtalkradio.com. We will be right back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL. Nhtalkradio.com presented by Northeast Delta Dental. This is Fat Tuesday beginning of uh, Mardi Gras. It's also International Pancake Day, which always falls on uh, Fat Tuesday. So Mardi Gras is getting uh, getting underway today and uh, it's Fat Tuesday, It's Pancake Day. And you know, there's a, a new, and I read this uh, this morning in the Concord Monitor on the front page or a Ray Duckler authored article. Uh, that uh, there's going to be a new New Orleans-style restaurant opening up in Concord today. Andrew, are you a fan of uh, Cajun food? Uh, I am, yes. I'm a big fan of gumbo. Oh, yeah. Jambalaya. Oh, oh, yes. uh, Crawdads. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, there's, there's going to be a new restaurant in downtown Concord opening sounds, today. Sounds pretty awesome. How about that? Uh, just in time for Mardi Gras and <laughs> Fat Tuesday. I don't know if they serve pancakes. Probably not. I do uh,
1: love pancakes?
0: Yeah, well, pancakes are always a, a good thing, especially with uh, New Hampshire maple syrup. Mm. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Uh, you know, here's a story you're going to be hearing about all day today and uh, for some time to come because it happened in the, the overnight hours and uh, Senate, the U.S. Senate has passed a $95 billion national security supplement package to assist Ukraine, Israel, and the Indo-Pacific after a tedious procedural process that came to an end early this very morning. Final vote was 70 to 29, with 22 Republicans voting yes. Democratic Senators Peter Welch and Jeff Merkley, plus Independent Senator Bernie Sanders, voted no on this bill. Now, the supplemental package does not include, not include any border security provisions And it comes as the national debt, and we talked about this earlier. The national debt is soaring above $34 trillion, and that's just scratching the surface. According to our guest in the earlier portion of the program, the former Comptroller General of the United States, David Walker, debt is soaring over $34 trillion. Calls to offset the spending with cuts elsewhere were unheeded. Several Republicans spent hours since the beginning of the weekend collectively filibustering the package on the Senate floor. Senator Mike Lee, Republican uh, from Utah, committed to uh, filibustering the bill for four hours on Saturday and continued uh, early today. Now, the package includes $60 billion for Ukraine. $14 14 billion for Israel, 9 billion in humanitarian assistance for Gaza, and nearly 5 billion dollars for the Indo-Pacific. Democrats brought the package up for a vote, a vote after Republicans had blocked the 118 billion dollar package that also included numerous border and immigration provisions. Negotiated by a group of bipartisan senators and Biden officials last Wednesday. The U.S., as many of you are aware, has already spent, already spent $100 billion in aid for Ukraine since its war against Russia began in February of 2022. Well, there you have it. And uh, by Monday, several GOP senators were hoping for a breakthrough to get amendments heard, uh, their amendments heard anyway, which mainly included hardline border security related provisions. Senator Ted Cruz of Texas introduced an amendment identical to the House's uh, immigration bill, H.R. 2, which would restore Trump era restrictions, hire additional Border Patrol officers and tighten asylum screenings. Republican Senators uh, Roger Marshall, J.D. Vance, and Josh Hawley were just a few other senators who spoke in opposition to the bill on Monday, uh, continuing the filibuster. Meanwhile, GOP Senators Mitt Romney and Tom Tillis were just a few who urged their colleagues to delay no further and pass the package. Republican Senator Jerry Moran of Kansas became emotional in a floor speech in support of the bill. Moran said, I believe in America first, but unfortunately, America first means we have to engage in the world. So uh, there you have it. And we have a list here uh, of uh, the Republicans that voted yes on the foreign aid bill. John Boozman, uh, Shelley Moore Capito. Bill Cassidy, Susan Collins, John Cornyn, Kevin Kramer, Mike Crapo, Joni Ernst, Chuck Grassley, John Hoven, John Kennedy, Mitch McConnell, Jerry Moran, Lisa Murkowski, James Risch, Mitt Romney, Mike Rounds, Dan Sullivan, John Toon, Tom Tillis, Roger Wicker, and Todd Young. Those are the Republicans who uh, voted in the affirmative to pass the ninety-five billion-dollar national security supplemental package, uh, which has uh, no uh, mention of border security in it uh, whatsoever. So that's the latest from Capitol Hill, and uh, that will be uh, talked about for uh, days and uh, and weeks ahead. There is uh, no no doubt about that. Uh, at any rate. Uh, today, this afternoon, 4.40, face-off time at uh, Hanover, and actually in Lebanon, New Hampshire. The uh, Concord High Crimson Tide hockey team still undefeated on the season. will take over, uh, take over, take on Hanover. And uh, that'll be at uh, 4.40 this afternoon at the Campion Rink in Lebanon, New Hampshire, if you're going up to the game, the, uh, the arena is technically in Lebanon. Uh, but uh, it's Concord. Hanover should be a good one. The Crimson Tide have played well all year despite a number of injuries. And Hanover is playing their uh, best hockey of the season right now. So it should be a, a great game. And if you can't make it to Hanover, little plug here, you can uh, watch the game on the uh, Concord Boys Hockey Facebook page. So we'll uh, get underway at uh, 440 with that one from Lebanon this afternoon. It should be a, uh, a terrific hockey game. Concord coming off an 8-1 to win on Saturday uh, against uh, Salem at the Everett Arena. And the Crimson Tide have another game uh, tomorrow night at home at the Everett Arena, 530 uh, against uh, Exeter. May mention Mardi Gras starts today. International Pancake Day. You know what, Andrew Gibson? I would be remiss if I did not mention that today is World Radio Day. Oh. Today is World Radio Day, celebrating the the business that uh, we are involved with. That is true. Right here at WKXL. Today is World Radio Day. We should have got a cake. We should have. We should have. Uh, maybe tomorrow for Valentine's Day, folks. Don't forget <laughs> Valentine's Day. Some of you may be in big trouble if you forget about it. That's tomorrow. Don't get caught up in anything else, but uh, make sure uh, you get the love of your life, something very nice, or you might be in, in, uh, in trouble deep, as they say. Uh, it's, uh, t- speaking of uh, Valentine's Day, uh, today is national break up with your carrier. Day, Break Up With Your Carrier Day, National Cheddar Day. It's National Crab Rangoon Day. Oh, nice. I love Crab Rangoon. Uh, International Italian Food Day. Oh, boy. It's, it, 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 I guess it is Fat Tuesday. Uh, National Tortellini Day as well. And uh, Safer Internet Day. That would be a blessing for all of us, uh, a safer internet no no doubt about that so that's some of the things that are being commemorated today and I saw earlier that the uh, in baseball news the San Francisco Giants had signed uh, Jorge Soler who is a uh, slugger that uh, played last year for uh, the Miami Marlins and he is now signed by San Francisco for three years I believe and 52 million dollars. I was hoping the Red Sox could get their hands on Jorge Soler, but they did not. He is going to San Francisco instead of Boston. The Red Sox let another one slip away, and the money not that big for a guy who hit 36 home runs uh, last year. Right-handed batter that the Red Sox could have certainly used in their lineup, but outbid, even if they were in the bidding, I'm not even sure they were Uh, by the uh, San Francisco Giants. We'll be at Fenway, by the way, in early May. All right, that'll wrap it up for this edition of Kale & Company Live. Thanks to our guest, uh, David Walker, former Comptroller General of the United States. If you missed that, uh, you can check it out tonight at 7 here on WKXL, or you can just go online and listen to it anytime. Listen to many of our programs right on uh, nhtalkradio.com. Very simple to do. You can be entertained the entire day listening to uh, shows that have aired here on WKXL. Or stream it nhtalkradio.com wherever you go. Thanks very much for listening. Make it a great fat Tuesday, everybody. And remember, always look on the bright side of life. We will see you tomorrow morning.